Hello again to another special extra episode of From Dial Square to Where, the Arsenal Twitter podcast. This is a very interesting episode made up of my appearances on the brilliant fan's phone in by Harry Simo. The chronicles of a Gunnar phone in is something you really need to listen to and Harry is deservedly going from strength to strength. I appear on six phone-ins which start from the week before the Europa League final, straight after the final, the close season including the Cronkies, the transfer window and the transfer deadline day. I hope you enjoy it. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. From Dial Square to Where is proud to have Gunas vs. Cancer as its charity sponsor for the season. Set up by the Gunas Podcast, it is a brilliant charity raising money for leukemia and lymphoma research. Please help me to help them reach their fundraising goal by visiting GunasVsCancer.com and see how to donate or bid for some great Guna merchandise. Thank you. through your calls this evening on the Chronicles of Aguna, the fans. Hello there. Hi, Andrew, joining me on the line. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Apologies about before. No worries at all. Welcome to the show, mate. You're on the Chronicles of Aguna. You're live. What do you want to say? I'm just thinking, just want to have a bit of a a recap, really, on on the season and say that it's probably one of the only seasons for quite a long time where I've had so many mixed feelings about how it's gone. I mean, if it hadn't been for reaching the final, I think it'd be extremely disappointing. And I, uh, towards the end of the season, when we had the oh, incredible collapse, when we had uh, third place in our hands, um, I, I, I didn't know what to think really about uh, about the manager. I was having very, very sort of second thoughts about about him and how whether I trust him with regards to going forward. But um, as I say, reaching the final of the, the Europa League has put things on hold, really, for me. I'm still, the jury's out for me, really, with regards to the season, because I don't think we, I mean, people on Twitter have been going on about uh, that we really need to have a reality check and we're a top 16. Yeah. And um, I don't, we, just this season has shown that we shouldn't have been a top 16, we shouldn't have finished fifth. Absolutely. And I we mean, should have easily we... finished third. It's, it was in our hands. And one, just one win out of those last five or six matches, it, as it turned out, would have put us above Spurs at least. And then, you know, two wins out, which we uh, should have had. As Crystal Palace was the one for me, really. Yeah, that's where the um, the season should have been. It should have been done then. We that's should right. have received. Uh, I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. And, you know, going back to your point where you say that people say, oh, we need a reality check. We're a top six side. The fact is that you can start the season with one objective, but you can adjust your objectives throughout the season. Given the position we were in, 
our objective was to finish in the top four. We were absolutely in the driving seat and we absolutely. blew it. Now, if Unai Emery does go on and win the Europa League, he's done his job as far as I'm concerned because he's got us back in the Champions League. Yeah, That is what exactly. it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, totally. You know, I, I totally agree. I think we were very much on the same wavelength as far as that's concerned because I totally understand people when they say, well... If you had at the start of the season, if you were offered the Europa, Europa League final and finishing fifth, one point behind Spurs, most people say, yeah, that's, okay, that's a fairly decent season. But events changed those expectations and the way things were, were going and with all of our, all the people that are around us, that Spurs, Chelsea, Man United, just basically having a horrendous end to the season as well. And we should have, just to be that one match at Crystal Palace, for example, you know, that should have well above everyone else and we should have been quite a few points clear to be fair let's be honest of everyone else in third but um i think with regards to the europa league final i fancy our chances against uh chelsea but i was listening to a, a, another podcast as well earlier on today it was I think it's the arsenal vision one yeah. and uh it was very interesting what they what uh, elliot said on that as well with regards to sliding doors moments for this season because you just imagine what it could have the repercussions could be over the next few years if the worst possible outcome was to happen and we were to lose our final and Spurs were went on to win theirs what it could do to both the teams and moving forward yeah it don't really bear thinking about to be honest is it because could we realistically say that you know North London is red after that for for a while at least? It could put us back by quite a substantial amount of years in in the plan that we've got to move forward. It could, it could. Andrew, what do you make of of the Baku thing? It's a huge debate this week. We've spoken about it already on the show this evening. I want to get everybody's thoughts on this because for me, this is a real serious subject. What do you make of UEFA's decision to hold a UEFA, UEFA sorry Europa League final? in Baku, a million miles away from here? I think it's it's, it's quite simple, really. I mean, in regards to Baku, the decision was made two years ago. So, that, you know, it's been known for quite a long time. So that's fair enough. However, they should always have some kind of plan B for situations like this, when you've got two teams from London travelling, was it two and a half thousand miles? Yep. Um, like in some cases, I've read on, in some cases, it can take a day and a half to get there, depending on what route you take as well. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that, why was it chosen in the first place though? Two years ago, or not two years ago, when you can only, when the airspace and the transportation links to get to the ground apparently can only withstand 12,000 fans, according to UEFA, as what their statement they put out the other day. Why on earth was it chosen as a final venue anyway? Because, yes, all these countries have got the right to hold these tournaments, but not when you can't get there. A maximum of 12,000 fans can get there. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, yes, they I can understand they have to choose these venues so far in advance, but surely they must be able to have a few other stadiums on standby around Europe in case something happens. I mean, what if they're... You know, there was a civil unrest around the area or something and they had to change it last minute as well. I mean, yeah. they, got, they must have some kind of... There must be some sort of contingency, system. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do and you... I've got a couple more points as well, go, if go I ahead. may. Go ahead. 
with regards to like the, the losses we've got this this year, regards players going out, uh, and obviously with you know some big names, um, some big personalities that are lost from the dressing room, in Czech and Welbeck and Ramsey, but the most high-profile ones. I, I think the biggest loss to the season, uh, personnel-wise, has got to be Sven Sven Mislintat, who. I mean, I would feel a lot more more, more comfortable about uh, deals that we're going to be doing in the summer if he was still there. I don't know. I mean, in regards my um, uh, my thoughts about Emery going forward, I say I have put all that on hold because of the final, but I don't know still whether I've got any kind of faith in him to bring the right kind of personality into the dressing room. It's all very well going after these players from abroad I mean I can't remember the guy's name you spoke about him earlier uh, the defender we're looking at from Argentina from Argentina um, uh, Walter Kahneman yeah I mean have you heard of him before no I'll be honest ago? I haven't I'll be honest I haven't no and exactly it's really uh, difficult just, when people ask me about these players because well exactly yeah I mean I've never heard of him before either and you know I, why it just frustrates me when there's so many good players Premier League ready that are you know in, in Teams that are sort of below the top six or below, or even top ten championship quality players. I think we're just too snobbish about bringing this type of player in. And I think there's so many players on our doorstep that we could bring in, who we could put immediately into the first team, hit the ground running. And yes, you may pay, you know, two or three million pound more or whatever it may be uh, for players like that. But I think. There's so many good players that we could actually go for. I mean, I mean let's be fair, we could have like half of the, the Leicester team, half of the Wolves team walk straight into our team, if we're honest right now. Yeah. And there's, I mean, they wouldn't let all these players go, of course, but, you know, if we were just um, went all out to get someone like like a Ben Chilwell for a left back, we've got Wambasaka at right back. I'm really not into Zaha, uh, that sort of prices that were being quoted on Twitter at the moment. I don't think that's really overpriced. Yeah, um, it is. But there's other players like James Madison and Yuri Tillemans who've been playing for Leicester. I think they're absolutely fantastic players uh, that I'd go for above Zaha just because of the age as well. But the, the way that they've performed this year, it's been fantastic. I mean, I know that um, Tillemans only came in, in in January. I think yeah. he, last time I looked, I think he, he got about 12 um, appearances this season. But he, he looks like the real deal. And, you know, there's so many uh, other options rather than going for these, always thinking that we have to go abroad and bring players in. But it's just more of a risk than if you do buy someone from the Premier League. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I, t- I totally agree. I think the reason they do it, though, is because the inflated transfer fees when buying between Premier League clubs, I think that's a real problem. And I think that's yeah. what puts Arsenal in particular off of doing deals like that. Um, but I totally take your points. I think there's some great points there, Andrew. Thank you very much, and uh, we hope to speak to you again very soon. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Right, bye-bye. All right, that was Andrew on the line. Apologies, Andrew. I cut you off a little bit suddenly there. Sorry. I uh, got a little bit trigger-happy with the button. Uh- Let's hit the button. Hello? 
Hi there, Harry. Hi there, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. Introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. My name's uh, Andrew Armistead from Hinkley. How you um, doing, mate? Andrew the Hinkley Guna on Twitter. Lovely. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Good. Not too bad, not too bad. Uh, just uh, chilling out and uh, taking you guys' calls, of course. <laughs> what do you want to <laughs> say, Not doing much chilling out at the moment, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, well, I mean, uh, from what it's worth, um, just briefly, I've completely changed my mind, really, about the Albaku final situation. I think, well, it's not going to happen, put it that way, but I think we should have boycotted and really, really tried to get Chelsea's buying on that. I think uh, I'm look, looked into a lot of the situation that's going on out there and with the country and so forth. And there's a lot of really, really dark, murky things that's happening over there. And I've got only knows really what um, went on really with the UEFA's decision to have the final there in the first place. That doesn't even bear thinking about either as well. But yeah, I really think that we should have taken the moral stance on it. Um, with regards to the whole situation with Mkhitaryan, etc. I mean, I personally want Mkhitaryan to hopefully sort of depart over the over the summer. I don't think he's going to really add us any benefits moving forward. He hasn't had a very good season, but that's by the by. Um, initially, I thought, well, we should be really with this match being one of the most important matches I think we've had in well, God knows how many years. And what it could actually mean. So I think this match is actually more important than the Champions League final was, you know, 13 years ago. We've got it, what it means to our club now. Yeah, when at, mo- at that particular time then, it would have been absolutely amazing. They kept me wrong. It would have been the best night we've ever had as a club. But I think this is more important in what it what it means. Absolutely. And I thought I initially, I thought it's uh, initially, we, there's no way we can not play this match because it means that much to us but I honestly think that we should have boycotted it but regards to Czech playing I I, I just don't honestly cannot understand why we would play him now I mean I've put I've had a few um, conversations on Twitter and a few debates on it and I think in in any other industry football is just weird in, in any it's just got its own little world. And uh, in any other industry, if someone was leaving to go to a competitor, you know, you just, we did the, in a business, they just put him on gardening leave. Exactly. Exactly. Gardening leave all the way. I mean, yeah, I mean, everyone's saying, oh, he's a model professional. Blah, blah, blah. I've got no doubt in about that. But can you honestly trust anyone 100%? I mean, I just, I mean, subconsciously even, you know, going on in his head. I mean, I mean, if you think about it logically as well, He's going to be joining them, you know, after the match. He's going to be going over there. And I don't know what his exact title is going to be, director of football or, or whatever. But he's going to want to be jo- joining a, a team that's in the Champions League, isn't he? Rather than leaving a team that's in the Champions League to one that's in the Europa League. It's, that's right. I, it, I mean, it's all going to be going on in his head. I mean, it's Andrew, just... for, from my perspective, and I said this on yesterday's podcast, I can't get my head around. I agree with you. I don't know why... You would play him now. I maybe wouldn't have played him anyway, bearing in mind that I'm no, no, yeah, the best keeper the, at our club. Absolutely. Number one. But number two, now that this has happened, in my eyes, there is no way you can play him. And when I when I probably search my soul deeply and think about this properly, I probably agree with those who say that Pedacek is a good professional and I'm not he's not gonna throw the ball in his own net or anything like that. But can you imagine the reaction? if he made a mistake in this final. Can you imagine 
the the backlash from that. I know, but he won't care. Though. That's the thing. Um, I, don't, I honestly don't think he's. I honestly think he's a model professional. Uh, he won't want to do anything wrong. Obviously, he's going to want to try and do his best in the game. But there's got to be some kind of, um, like I say, some subconscious mental issues going on in his head. Looking at across the field at the players that he's going to be sort of working with from next season onwards, and it's it's just weird. This is a weird situation. And, I, and what really annoys me, and what I find really unprofessional, is that it was announced. When yeah. it was well, it was I mean, leaked. There's no wasn't way it? they. Well, was it? I mean, who who leaked it? I mean, do we know? No, it's just all hypothetical. Well, no one knows that. No, neither club have come out and said anything about it. Pedacek hasn't said anything about it. So you can only assume that someone somewhere along the line has told the wrong person, had a slip of the tongue, and now we're in this situation. <laughs> well, it's, it's just I have to think the whole situation is really messed up, and I can't believe. It, he shouldn't be with the team in the training camp at the moment, wherever they are, as it stands at the moment. He should just not be there. And yeah. it's just a weird, you know, it's a strange situation. I mean, can you imagine as well? I mean, this is, again, you know, a bit of a strange scenario, but it goes to penalties. Yeah. And like the first eight, nine penalties go in and he's got to take one. <laughs> I mean, it could happen. You never know. It could. It I mean, could. Go, going on to that, who would uh, you choose to take five penalties if it went to penalties out of our squad now oh, oh that is a tough one uh definitely Lacazette um definitely, definitely Lacazette um I'd probably so, uh, this might be some uh surprise to some I'd probably let Kalasinac take one I'll take I'll get him to take the last one yeah I'm honest. why not yeah I think I think it's important to start well get your best ones on first I don't I, I, can't, I don't understand people leaving their best penalties yeah because you might not even fifth. get to the last penalty exactly so. yeah you've got to get him in I'd go Lacazette. I'd probably go Kalasinac. I'd probably give one to Granite Xhaka. I know a lot of people don't like him, yeah. but I think he would just smash no, it in. Um, agreed. I'd probably give one to Abamyang, even though I'm a bit iffy on his penalties after that agreed. one at Wembley. Uh, probably give one to. I'd give one to Mister Özil if he's playing. Um, yeah, me too. And I, I think guess, he's chosen all mine. Yeah. yeah, I mean the last one. Um, I, I probably would have said Mikitarian, but he's not going to play. So no. Uh, tricky one it depends whether Monreal is going to be playing yeah. or, you know I put a bit of faith in him as well yeah. experienced head don't don't disagree but I'd, uh, yeah I mean I'd go Aubameyang first then and then I'd probably go Ozil yep. let him uh, earn, earn his money and hopefully his last match <laughs> and then <laughs> I'll go Xhaka and then like you said I'd uh, go Kalasinac's last one I think he's probably got this I don't know probably him and Socrates probably got the strongest mental, you know, yeah, sort of worryingness going on about them, if you know what I mean. I think they'll just literally take the roof and the net off. Absolutely. The last one. Uh, just Andy, yeah. one other thing I wanted to pick your brain on uh, while I've got you on the line. Did you see Raul and Vinay's interview this week, the two parts? Have you seen it, first of all? No, no, no. I haven't had a chance yet. I've read all the extracts, though, on Twitter. Yeah. And it's just, again, someone summed it up, and I can't sum it up any better. Uh, it was announced that oh, we've got all our plans are in place for the summer transfers, etc. At four o'clock, and I think it, he said it was something like five forty-five. Emails all come out to all the season ticket holders to renew the season tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, read, read into that what you want to. I mean, that. I guess we, we we should be used to that by now. We should know that that's coming. 
as fans. Exactly, yeah. We, and, yeah. and, you know, this time of the season inevitably brings transfer rumours. So when people say, oh, you know, they've said this, said that, and now the season ticket renewals come out, I'm kind of a bit like, well, what do you expect? It is the end of the season. The transfer window is going to open. And naturally, that's what we're going to be talking about. So for me, that's not really that big of an issue. But I can understand why some people feel it's a bit well, of a kick in the teeth. I mean, I don't... I, I mean, what did you actually get out of the the uh, conversation? And there's nothing really... I mean, just briefly, yeah. I, I'll tell you just briefly, because I am going to do a video on this as well. Um, but just briefly, what I got out of this is that Vinay is a fantastic corporate finance man. Um, you know, I've worked in finance in the city and he's exactly what you'd expect from a, a managing director sort of person. The way he talks, the way he comes across it is he's perfect for that role. Does he know about football? Probably not. Mm. But when Raul spoke, I did have a little bit more confidence in him. He sounds like a football man. And I think that he's a very good talker. And I'm hoping that he can persuade uh, some players to come and join us this summer. That's my uh, initial thoughts on that anyway. Well, I think uh, one, the first, I think I'll put this on Twitter. So the first thing, the first signing we should make in the summer. And I don't know when this actually happens, this interview with Dennis Bergkamp. But... He's uh, said that you know, the reasons behind him leaving Ajax, he had a you know, disagreement with uh, Overmars, etc. Yep. And to cut a long story short, he's he's looking for his next role in, and he's he's looking abroad for his, from his next role, obviously from Holland. Yep. And if he, if that's the situation, which we've, we've got to get him on board. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah, for I mean, what he's the knowledge he's got from working with Ajax for for several years, and I mean, I mean, you're obviously, obviously way into the, to that sort of market immediately. Absolutely. And, I mean, God, I mean, could we want anyone better, really, to work behind the scenes uh, with the club? I mean, it's just uh, better be himself. <laughs> if he ever ended up somewhere else, I mean, God, that'd be ridiculous. It would. Andrew, thank um, you very much for joining me, mate. Um, I've got to leave it there. I've got a few more calls no to problem. get through. Uh, but thank you so much. And we'd love to have you on again in the very near future. Yeah, look forward to it. Cheers, Take care. Mate. Thanks, Harry. Bye-bye. Hi, Harry. Good evening, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. What's your name and where are you contacting us from? It's Andrew Armistead from Hinkley. Welcome back to the show, mate. How are you? What do you want to say? Oh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever felt as bad after a game in all of my time that I've been following Arsenal, to be honest, after yesterday. I'm going to calm down a bit now. But um, I'm going to echo a few points. I'll go through a few points pretty quick because I know they've been discussed already this evening, but... Every, I, I personally, I've never taken to him all season. I've uh, mentioned it a few times. It's not a new thing for me. Similar to yourself, I've been going on about it for a few months. I've not seen anything in him, apart from a few flashes where the team have performed this season. I just think he's, he just ain't got it. He's not earning his wage, Barry. He's, um, he's earning a, a lot of money each year. And managers, you pay the top managers around Europe um, because of what they can do during a game, how they can motivate their players and get the best out of players. And although we've done it a few times this season, it's not enough. I mean, he's, he's basically had the half-time yesterday. I think we were ahead on points at half-time yesterday at 0-0. I think we were slightly the, the better team. Yep. And he gets that half-time 
that's where they earn their money, these top managers. And they come out in the second half. We last four minutes before we go go behind. I mean, Koss has been a... He, overall, he's been a good defender for us. No one can argue with that. But he makes so many mistakes as well. I mean, he makes similar mistakes in certain cases that Mustafi gets absolutely slaughtered for. Yep. I mean, he... he I mean, let's face it, he, he lost the semi, he made a mistake in the semi final last year, which cost us the game. He, he made a mistake in the, uh, I don't know what it was called at the time, the League Cup final against Birmingham. It was, you know, he lost us that game as well. That was a final. Yesterday, he cost us that first goal. I'm not sla- slaughtering the guy, but he's not good enough for Arsenal anymore. You know, we've got to get, I mean, pretty much the whole team yesterday, the whole first team squad, I think I'll be happy to get rid of, apart from. You know, a few of the youngsters. I mean, it's funny, yesterday, I think the only ones that came out of it with any real credit was Willock and Iwobi. Um, you think you've got to give a benefit of the doubt, really, to Maitland-Niles because he's not he's playing in the right position. He's, he's very young and inexperienced. It's not his fault he's having to play that role. But all those three that I've just mentioned, is it any coincidence that they're from the academy? Yeah. I mean, it's they cared more. I mean, when uh, Willett came on, he did so much more in those 10 minutes than Ozil's done. Well, he did miss a sitter, though, didn't he? He did miss a sitter. He missed a sitter, but uh, can you blame him? I mean, he's 19 and he's put into a final. Great, but he got into that position. I mean, when did the last time Ozil got into that position and actually had a shot? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. He's done a lot more in those 10 minutes than, he, than Ozil's shown us for a long, long time. I mean, and, and I think that, I mean, Torreira... I'd hang on to him because I mean at least he cared but he had a very poor game yesterday he's had a poor end of the season and it's got to be down to you know the manager Emery he's just I mean he's doing my head in he's, he's basically like I said he's, he's not earned, not earning not his money we got into the position where we should have finished third and he let it slip and he's, I don't, I'm not just just blaming him it's all these, these players as well but He's got to shoulder an awful lot of the blame. And yes, at the beginning of the season, we wouldn't have expected, maybe, and we would have let him off if we weren't expecting to be in that position. But we were in that position, and it can't be ignored. And our end of the season was absolutely diabolical. And then yesterday, I'm not, I don't think I was over-exaggerating it about a week ago when I said that yesterday was probably our, our biggest game that we've had, well, at least in decades, because of what it could mean longer term. And with Wolves, Everton, New- and possibly Newcastle now as well, and Leicester, all, good, all going to be strengthening. Obviously, Spurs are, are definitely going to be strengthening this summer. Man United are going to be spending hundreds of millions of pounds. Luckily, Chelsea can't. But we're, we're going to be caught up, Harry, with this manager and this team. We're going to be overtaken... And then we'll be battling with what what everyone calls the the Everton Cup, the battle to try and finish <laughs> seventh. And we ain't gonna, we can't allow that, can we? Our club is is stagnating, and the only way we're going is down under this manager. And we need to act fast. So, we so can't wait what would you season. what would you do, Andrew? Would you would you change the manager? Yes, I would hundred percent change this summer or or next summer. You're talking I'm about changing instantly. Today. I'll change him tomorrow. And yeah. I'll tell you who I'll put in in charge. I would promote um, Jungberg. Okay. Interesting. He's doing, I mean, I've, he's, I've followed the, the under 23s, so, um, you know, but, and he, he bleeds 
from the club. He's got passion. He's got his ideas. I've heard him interviewed several times, and his ideas make sense. He's a born winner. He's an invincible. He knows the club. He knows all of those, those academy players inside out. He's got the under 23s playing fantastic football. Yep. And I'll just get him in. What, what have we got to lose, Harry? We we had the pleasure of, of interviewing Freddie Lundberg on this show as well a little while back. I went down to watch the under 23s and he was very kind enough to take some time out and talk to me after the game. And that featured on one of our podcasts a couple of months back. He certainly seems like he's on the right track. Me personally, though, I think it's a little bit early to give him a job like the Arsenal first team. I think that's a little bit um, too big for him. But, you know, it, it's a valid point. You need to think or swim, though, don't you? And, um, you know, he could well be... I mean, when Guardiola took over from Barcelona, not the same example, I know. He didn't have any experience, but they took a punt on him. He had a lot better players to work with. Don't get me wrong, I'm not being not making that comparison. Yeah. But then, you know, in a smaller example, you've got um, Lampard going into Derby, get, virtually getting them up to the Premier League. Didn't quite make it, but he had a very good, good shot at it. You, you sometimes have to make these uh, gambles. But people instantly assume as well what annoys me about oh who else is available no one's Allegri's not going to come to us we've only got so much to spend blah 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 why do we have to look at people like Allegri and all these massive names from around Europe in our situation you know because we ain't we, we need to act now to, to be able to come back to the club that we once were we're playing catch up now yeah. I know that we um, I'm not I'll never accept the fact that we are a, a Europa League team um, but the reality is we are at the moment. We need to get back to where we were. Totally. And agree. we don't have to look abroad for one of these flashy name managers. I mean, you look at some people like Chris Wilder, who've done amazing jobs, you know, in the championship with Sheffield United. They, their team is well-organised, well-drilled. With the players that he's had at his disposal, the people, I'm not saying him specifically, but there's managers out there. And you look at the uh, guy... Um, you know, Southampton always bring in some managers that do fantastically well. Swansea did before. You have know, managers you've never heard of, and then they suddenly do brilliantly and get poached. There's managers out there without these mega names that we could work with, and we could also take a lot of those players from teams like you know from the Championship, etc. There's players down. We need we need to get rid of this snobbery. Yep. We need to get rid of all this crap from our team, and we need to make sure we do amount of money that we can get for these players I don't know how much it'll be but we've got to take whatever we can and we've got to strengthen in the market right down the spine yep. of the team plus a left back uh, definitely as well and then we can build out we can flood out the rest of the, the wide areas and uh, we, I mean we'll hopefully keep our two forwards I won't want to get rid of them in a million years but we can't replace those goals overnight that's but, right that's with right. the rest of the squad, we can we've got so many good youngsters that we can we can just try and work with and to fill out the rest of the, the squad. Absolutely. But we've got to get that strong spine, but we can work with the rest of it and we've got to stop this snobbery, we've got to act now and we've got to work with the money that we've got, you know, and uh, and the players that we've we've got and, and we'll, but I think the players that we bring in to strengthen the spine through the team, I really do think we should look at um, you know, players that are currently plying their trade. In this country, I know they ain't okay. cheap, but we need players that can work now. Okay, so, so your your answer is to look closer to home, uh, Andrew. Oh, well, 100%. Go ahead, final point. Go ahead, mate. No, I said one hundred percent. Yeah, and I, I think 
I mean, I was listening to the um, after you listening to your one first, of course, with Winterburn earlier <laughs> on. Cheers, mate. Uh, I listened to the Ask blog afterwards as well, and they were saying about um, we've got to, you know, we, we've got to. It all comes from the, from the top. This isn't just a problem with Emery. is isn't just a problem with the players. It's it's the person that owns the club now as well. And they gave the example of Liverpool of a few years ago, and they were they were in exactly the same position as ourselves. And the Liverpool fans. Same as us, same as us, they were absolutely fuming about the ownership of the company, uh, the company that the club or other, and they did something about it in the end, and they, they stamped their feet and shouted louder, and it got louder and louder over over a period of time until they got their way. Yeah, and the owners did sell the club, and they said, well. We need to do something like that, but we're Arsenal and we, we, we don't really do things like that. We're a little bit more timid. Who's going to do something like that? Well, I, I thought, fuck it. And I did it. And I've set up a petition online yep. with that minute and I've got it up and running. And hopefully, you know, a lot of your listeners and uh, the followers have got Twitter will sign that petition. I'm not stupid. And I ain't, ain't going to get the, the cronkies out of the club by doing that. But it's a little start. It's a baby step yep. uh, to start something to, so that we, as a as the fans can actually get our voices heard and they can start listening to us for once saying that, that we aren't happy with the way the club's being run yep. and we've got to do some something to to move this thing forward before we start getting worse and worse and we can't wait to, for next season we can't give him another summer uh, I don't trust him to yep. get the right players you know there's something wrong there the way he can't motivate this team mm-hmm. great stuff Andrew thank you so much for joining us and guys Head over and sign his petition. I'm sure uh, he'll put the uh, link in the chat if you don't mind, Andrew, and we'll get as many signatures on there as we possibly can. Uh, thanks again, mate, and we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Harry. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was Andrew from Hinkley. Let's move on to our next caller. to the next one sorry I'm a bit slow dialing this one let's go good evening mate. good evening welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna mate what's your name and uh, where are we talking to you from Hi there, I'm Andrew from Hinkley. Welcome back, Andrew from Hinkley. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. What do you want to say this evening? I've got a few points. Really, really good calls tonight, actually. So fair play to everyone that's phoned in. Really good, interesting calls. So, yeah, really good, good quality. Good stuff. Today, um, I mean, you've been talking about Jungberg. Yep. um, Being promoted up. If you remember last week, I mentioned about Jungberg. In my rant about Emery leaving the club, saying that yeah, I'd be really glad if uh, if he got the boots, and then Jungberg was to come in and become the the manager um, one day. And I thought, um, well, this week's a step in the right direction, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> with regards to being able to promote some of these uh, youngsters, do you think that that well, is the long term plan? Then do you think that the club <sighs> see Lundberg as a long term successor? 
I think so because he's been brilliant. That the uh, the leading the under twenty threes, and obviously everyone has been talking about um to bring a lot more of these youngsters through. And obviously he knows them better than anyone. And um, yeah, we've got so much of this. The, I mean, I'm worried. That, I mean, I've read stories about. Um, I think it was Amici that I read the story about that he got really disappointed not being on the bench at least during the Europa League final. He was looking to potentially move away. I mean, if we get any more of those types of situations, then we're going to be in a bit of trouble. Um, and we, none of us want that. I think, uh, yeah, we've got a few that we should bring in. I mean, someone called in earlier and talked about Liverpool as well. Yep. And, um, I mean, Liverpool, I mean, let's, let's not... This season, everyone's been going, oh, we'll, we'll never catch Liverpool, we'll never catch Man, United, Man City. We're miles away from those two clubs. And yeah, of course we are this season. But don't forget last season, Liverpool were fourth, 25 points behind Man City. And they ended up just one point behind them this season. They caught and clawed back those 24 points. Yep. And I think realistically, and obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but I think we were probably about five or six first team quality players away from Liverpool at the moment. And but realistically, we're not going to get that. Think about the investment you'd need, though, Andrew, to get exactly, five or yeah, six top quality first team players. We're talking about that, hundreds. That's of what I was going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We ain't going to do it overnight. We're going to have to do that over to you know several transfer windows. But if we, I mean, say, if we did sell Aubameyang um, for eighty million, and I think I've, I've said before to you, Harry, I don't want to sell the, to the two strikers. They're the only good thing about the team. They're the, the only sort of shining light that we've got in the team. But if we did realistically get an offer of 80 million, we would seriously have to think about it because we could do a lot of good with that 80 million pounds. I mean, we haven't got any other players we'd get anywhere near that sort of money for, really. And we could put that to work. I mean, but what I would, you've, you said it earlier, would we trust the manager to reinvest? into the team all that money well not just the manager the, the, the club but we'd have to if we were going to make those strides like you know Liverpool went out and bought Van Dijk with the money that they got uh, from sales and they really targeted him they wanted him and waited for him for six months um, we would need to make signings like that we would need to make you know a, a one ex extraordinary quality player in order to take that next step to emulate what Liverpool have done. And um, it's going to take, you know, this summer, um, probably not the winter because we never do anything in the winter, but well, hardly ever anyway. And then next summer again, and then we'll probably still not quite be there. But have we still, saying all this, that's that's what we need to do. But have we got the, the right guy in the seat to be able to take us forward? I still can't put my hand on my heart and say we, we have. I mean, I've, I wanted I wanted Emery out last week when I was in my my rant after the Europa League final. Not a lot has, has changed really since. I, I, but who do we go for? I mean, I mentioned this last week. I, I don't think we have to look at these big name managers from across Europe. Like I said, um, we need to look and you know, we can look closer to home. I don't know the, the exact answer, but it's a load of good, good quality managers applying their trade in these shores. I mean. Going back to my youth under George Graham, we got George Graham from Millwall. <laughs> so, I mean, there's fantastic managers out there somewhere. I mean, um, I mentioned one last week. I'm not saying he's the answer either, but 
you know, guys like Chris Wilder who brought, you know, Sheffield United up. Fantastic manager. You know, they're, they're out there. I don't know. And we, hopefully we've got some people in the club who do know um, where these managers are. But why do we always have to sort of be linked with managers like Allegri, for example? But, I, I mean, what I'm trying to say is that we, we're not that, that far away. We, we, it is possible to get back to where we want to be. But I'm still stuck as to whether we've got the right team in, in charge for us to take us there. I mean, what do you think? I mean, I know what you think, but what, I mean, it's difficult to know what to where, to where we go from here, really, isn't it? It is very difficult to know where we're going to go from here. I mean, what I will say is, you know, everybody knows that I'm not Emery's biggest fan. But I've not sat here and closed myself off to the fact that he could prove me wrong and impress me if you know what I mean I I want him to impress me I'm an Arsenal fan I want to see Arsenal win I want to see Arsenal get better I want to see Arsenal back to where they belong so I'm not one of these people that's going to sit there and say you know I've made my mind up on him I don't like him get rid of him and that's it you know if we start the the season next year with a game plan with a a positive feeling and, and things are going well then great you know I'll be as happy as anybody and I'll be the first person to put my hands up and say I was wrong about Emery but I want to see it but I don't see it right now and I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I do see something that I can't so uh, yeah exactly I'm exactly the same you know yeah. that, that's kind of the issue isn't it um, I mean if he's uh, when he, if he starts the season in charge of Arsenal which obviously he will then I'll be right behind him and be right behind the team as I always am every single week I just don't I mean I put on the chat earlier on, I, I've been supporting Arsenal since I was seven years old. The first match I watched was the 1980 FA Cup final, which we lost. And mm-hmm. been through an awful lot of, of seasons, but I think last season was one of the most disappointing I've ever had as an Arsenal fan because of the, the broken hope that we had after getting rid of Wenger, getting a new start, and really hoping that you know things are going to change for, for the positive. And getting to the stage at once you know, during the season, towards the end, where we were in that position, where we could really see progress, and then the collapse at the end of that season—you know—it's just, I mean, it takes a wind out of your sails. It does and yeah, it um, does. We had, I mean, we had so many lifelines, and we just sank to the bottom of the ocean instead of grabbing older one of them. No, and um, that, and then the final. Yeah, got getting to the final. That was another lifeline at the end of the season, and then to get absolutely smashed. Second half, after being like I say, after being the best team in the first half on points, not money marginally, but we still winning at half time, nil nil, probably ahead on points. And uh, to get capitulated like that in the second half was just absolutely demoralising. Yep, and embarrassing, so, and embarrassing. Yeah, it was. It was totally embarrassing. In regards to like um, all the transfer rumours, I mean, it does make me laugh you know throughout the summer it does keep you going throughout the summer when you see all these things I mean it, that's the other thing going back to what I said about the managers we get linked to players non-stop all day every day and they're always players I mean I've been old man's up I've never heard of I mean, why don't we look closer to home for some of these from players that can actually make a difference from day one as well rather than taking a chance on players from abroad who don't know the pace of the Premier League do you not think that comes down to the cost, though? Do you not think that they don't look closer to home? Because, for example, let, let's take Madison from Leicester. I know he's a player that a lot of Arsenal fans like. That's why I yeah. use that example. 
Now, Leicester selling to a Premier League rival are going to want a lot more money than Sampdoria would to sell to us. So I think that that's the reason why. I think that when you buy from the Premier League, you pay a Premier League premium. And I also think that, you know, when you've got people like Raul, for example, Mislin Tap for him, calling the shots, these people, you know, they, they don't, they don't have time to wait around for a youngster, a British youngster to come through. They want results now and they think that they get more value for money going abroad. I think that's why I think it comes down to finances. Well, would I would prefer as a business owner to spend more and get results instantly than spending less and hoping that after 12 months, after buying that player, he's still going to come good. Like Meza Ozil. Um, we've waited six years for him to come good and he never has. So I'd rather spend a bit more and get a player that's proven within the Premier League at the right age, like Madison. Yeah. Spending 60 million and then rather than spending 40 million abroad for someone else, only for him to never get to the pace of the Premier League and get homesick after 12 months. Yeah, no, some great points. Andrew, uh, going to have to leave it there, but thank you so much, mate, and uh, some great points as always. No problem. Cheers, Harry. Take care, mate. All the best. Good evening, mate. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. Andrew, how you doing? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, Harry? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, what, what do you want to say this evening? I see your Stan Kroenke petition is getting some traction online. Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, I, well, briefly, I wasn't going to talk about that, but I'll briefly explain my reasons for wanting him out. It's not because I physically loathe and hate the man. I mean, the main reason is I just want... I can't see anything other than stagnation will be the same. We won't move up. We'll just either stay the same or or be going down the league under his stewardship. That's the main thing, because I think he's basically happy as long as we stay in the Premier League, pocketing the Premier League money. Um, And I think that's the main thing with him. I don't think he's got any ambitions any higher than that. He's not the sort of person that wants to use the club as a real-life football manager, like the uh, the owners of Man City, for example, and uh, we never think that you can. I'd be happy with uh, the way things are. And uh, that's the reason why I really want someone in, well, who owns the, com- uh, the club, who loves the club, you know, who's got, a, who's got more loftier ambitions. And that's the main thing I want, really, with regards to uh, the ownership. And I know that, I mean, I've had a few conversations with people on the on Twitter about the petition saying, well, of course, you know, petitions ain't going to change nothing. Hashtags ain't going to change nothing. Of course, of course it's not. I'm not stupid. Um, I know that the petition itself is not going to do anything with regards to getting him out of the club, but what it does do is gather a, a big, well, as big a group as possible, hopefully, of like-minded individuals who do want him out of the club, who we can then, you know, create loud noise between all of us, um, I do whatever uh, people decide to do. When you get a big group together, we can 
you know, actually have some conversation and some dialogue between us, everyone and decide uh, which way forward we can go. But it's all about creating that noise and uh, we have to start somewhere, stamping your feet, basically. That's right. Great yeah. point. What, did you, what else did you want to talk about this evening, Andrew? Lots of transfer yeah. rumours. Is that something you want to touch on? I do want to touch on a couple of the transfer rumours, yeah. And, and actually about, about the transfers themselves as well. I mean, I, all I keep seeing on Twitter is that we've agreed terms with players and then we're going to, we're putting the offer to, to the club, club. I mean, that seems completely arse about faces to me. I mean, surely it'd be better and the more better time spent putting the offers into the club, getting the club's acceptance of the offer and then they agreeing terms with the player, surely, rather than doing it the other way around. I mean, I mean you can't believe anything you read on Twitter, obviously, but that, if that's the case, then why the, what, I don't understand why we're doing it, do it that way around, because if you have agreed terms with the player, and then the club, you know, know that you've agreed terms with the player, then what are they going to do if they've got any sense? They're going to shove an extra few million pounds on the price, because you're, you're stuck then, because you've agreed terms with the player. And if you, rather than spending twenty million on a, on a player, for example, then they're going to say, "Well, what twenty five now?" But Andrew, could it not be because maybe doing the deal with the club is the hardest part, and Arsenal don't want to go through that if they're not sure that the player wants to join and that they can afford what the player is asking for. So perhaps it's from a business perspective that they go to the player first, make sure that he wants to come, feel it out without doing anything official. But you know, then they know to go in with a bid they know whether this deal is likely to happen and whether to spend a lot of time negotiating back back forward with the other club could it not be that it could be yeah I mean it, it clearly can work both both ways doing it both ways but I think the the biggest negative is the, what I've just said about the club having you to ransom for that player knowing that you've agreed terms of the player the player's happy to leave you want the player the player wants to go then they've got you over a barrel surely yeah. Rather than the actual price first, no. I don't know. I mean, anyway, that's that's why the buy. But I think Fraser from Celtic uh, for me would be probably the most important signing of the summer. And if we if it's we, the figures are true for twenty million, um, I think we've got you know surely just got to tie it up at twenty million because that's an absolute bargain. Um, is exactly what we need in regards to um, some real energy and some better quality um, balls at the end of it at, on our left flank. He can play left back or left uh, wing back, so absolutely ideal as far as he's concerned. I think. I mean, I mean, um, me, Andrew, I'm I'm still a bit on the fence about Tierney because I've not. I'll be honest, I haven't seen a great deal said, of Celtic. I said Fraser, didn't I? I meant Tierney, of course. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. I gathered that. Don't worry. That's why I said Tierney. But for me, I'm still on the fence about him because, I mean, how many Celtic games have I watched this season? Probably one. So, you know, judging by YouTube reels, I guess, and what people I say. Li- I've listened to, um, I listen to, basically I work on my own all day. Uh, sad, sad, I, don't know, but I work on my own all day. So I listen, I listen to podcasts day in, all, all day. And I've listened to some Scottish podcasts um since the, the Tierney room just to get some ideas about um, what the actual pundits and professionals up there have been saying about him and he's too the biggest um, thing I've heard is that I mean obviously going by what they say um, he's two years younger than uh, Robertson at Liverpool and on a few occasions he's it's a very close thing between the, the Scottish um, 
fans and pundits who's, who's the best player. But at his, his age, two years younger, they're saying basically that he's a very similar player, but he's, he's his age, he's better than Robertson was two years ago. Now, obviously, he's been with Klopp since then. So That's a big Klopp's statement, been, isn't it? Barfree <laughs> improved him, but... I mean, even if, to be fair, if he, if he ends up being 75% of the player Robertson is, and I'm excited about that, to be perfectly honest, um, yeah, he can offer us an awful lot of, and uh, create a lot more chances than we've got at the moment. And that's, that's, that's what we need. What about in terms uh, of players out, Andrew? People have been talking about Granite Xhaka leaving. Uh, Manchester United reportedly have an interest in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. What's your take on those stories? If we sold Aubameyang to Man United, then... I wouldn't. I, I think that'd be it for me. Because, I mean, you cannot sell him to a, a to Man United or any other team that we are going to be challenging against for the top four. That's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if we do that again, then what? What we do? It's just the end, really, isn't it? Um, we might as well just give up. We can, I mean, if we're going to sell him, I don't like I said. I don't. We don't. I don't want to sell either of our forwards. But if you do have to sell one of them, um, it has to be Abamian because of his age, uh, etc. But it's got to send people abroad, as simple as that, not to any club in, in England. It was the suicide again, like we did with Sam Percy, and he went off there and he, he won Man United the league that season. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to say quickly, I know you're probably being pushed for time, but um, I can't see any reason why in the early rounds of the Europa League and in the early rounds of the cup competitions next season, why Steve Bold could take can't take the under twenty three team and go and play those games. It's a win win situation. The Emery in the in the first team can stay behind and actually rest for those games, uh, putting an end to the problem playing Thursdays and the weekend. There's got to and be the, some sort of rule though, isn't there, that prevents that? Surely you have to register a squad of players. Yeah, but I, I can't see one at the moment. You can you can change your uh, as far as I can see, you can change your squad. Um, to a certain extent, uh, the in the latter part of the, in the knockout rounds, you can actually add and change a few players. That's what I've seen. In case you get, um, you know, you lose players in the in the January window, or you get players that are of season injuries, you can actually add and add and take away a few, few players out. Of the, you know, that's a really interesting one. I, and those of you who are watching, what do you think about that? Let us know in the chat. There's an interesting debate going on about Unai Emery in the chat, which I'll come on to in a moment. Um, but Andrew, uh, thank you so much for joining me, mate. Always appreciate your calls. Uh, great points as always. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. And hopefully you uh, join us for the rest of the show in the chat. Yes, I will do. Yes, definitely. You caught me on the hop. I wasn't expecting any calls so early. So yes, I'll join it straight away, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely. Great stuff, mate. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Harry. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Andrew, uh, a regular caller. A great gentleman with some great points as always. Let's have a look at the chat. Let's go over to the chat. Lots of interesting comments coming through in there. There's a bit of an Unai Emery debate going on at the moment. Uh, Renat Sahab uh, says that he's not been too impressed with Unai Emery. What did he do? Right, let's move on to caller number two. Here we go. Let's hit the button. Hello? 
Hello, Andrew speaking. Good evening, mate. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna. Name and where are you talking to us from? Right there, yeah. It's Andrew Armistead from Hinkley. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Welcome back to the show. Uh, what do you want to say this evening? Well, I'll say there's not much going on, really, is there? I don't know uh, what we're going to talk about, to be honest. It's been a bit <laughs> quiet, hasn't it, regarding Arsenal news lately? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're struggling <laughs> for topics, aren't we? Really badly. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I, I, I think it's uh, been an incredible uh, transfer window, far exceeding any kind of expectations that I had personally. I'm, I'm really, really happy with it. It's been uh, fantastic. Today's incomings... I'm really positive about David Luiz. I think it's a really, really shrewd bit of business, to be honest, for eight million quid. And he's more, more than going to be comfortable to see us through till next summer uh, when we've got Saliba, who I still don't think he's going to be ready to go immediately into the first team then anyway. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if behind the scenes we're already set the wheels in motion to get maybe either Upper Meccano or Umtiti. Uh, either in January or next summer already. I mean, you, you wouldn't be surprised about anything, really, would you, with uh, the way things have gone this summer? So, in the meantime, I think David Luiz, I mean, he's got Premier League experience. He's a winner. He goes straight into our team, let's face it. He's great on the ball. Um, he's, he's local as well, which you've got to take into account. He hasn't got to move. He hasn't got to get used to a new country, a new area. Um, you can just go slot straight in. I'm sure he knows a lot of our team already uh he's got amazing hair he <laughs> matches gwen doozy the hair bear so, bunch i'm gonna call them got a bit of long shui there um, on the pitch <laughs> um he's famous he's in the simpsons um, but <laughs> but he recognizes london's red that's the main thing as well which is great that's it and it seems doesn't it that david lewis was really disappointed by the way he was treated by frank lampard he, apparently he was told that he's the fourth choice centre-half there. And I find that, I mean, a lot of people have turned around today and said, oh, but, you know, we've signed Chelsea's fourth choice centre-back. But that, to me, is That's is not quite right because he's not that far down the pecking order, is he? He obviously doesn't see eye-to-eye with Frank Lampard. They obviously have different ideas about what a centre-half should bring to the team. And he's forced the move. And the fact that he wanted to come to Arsenal and we heard that he was desperate to come and refused to train and all that makes you love him a little bit more doesn't it well exactly i'm, I'm not just uh, genuinely genuinely it's easy to people to be um thinking that i'm just saying this because we've signed him today but i've always liked david louise genuinely always liked the way he plays football he plays i put this on twitter earlier he, he plays with a swagger he plays with a smile on his face and he plays like he's still in the park with his mates kicking a ball about when he was a kid you know, loving playing football. It just seems like he really enjoys his football. But I honestly think that, and I, I, I was um, chatting to, on Twitter to Tim Stillman earlier, <clears throat> and he's obviously um, very big on South American football, knows a lot about the South America. I think his partner's Brazilian as well, so he spends a lot of time over there. And he said, I, if people are still saying that um, David Luiz is error-prone, he said they can't really have been watching him very closely over the last two or three years because he seems to have ironed a lot, of, a lot of that out of his game. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, he, marked, he, he he handled Lacazette and Aubameyang. They had them in his pocket, really. Let's be honest. Uh, uh, on the, in the final, and um, yeah, he's, he's been uh, he's been pretty solid. He's 
he honestly said, if anyone can come back to me and tell me about any really glaring errors he's made over the last two or three years, we're happy to talk to you. But there, there haven't been any because he's been a lot uh, calmer in his latter career. But I'll tell you what, as well, even though he's uh, 32, he's still got the energy and fitness of someone much younger. He's got that kind of... Um, of body and fitness, he, he he doesn't seem his age, and I think he he'd be absolutely perfect for us for another year or two. Well, what and you've got what you've got to think about, mate, is that if Lauren Cushioni was thirty three, obviously he was having lots of problems breaking down almost, you know, re- well, regularly. Talk and cheese, aren't they, body wise? Absolutely, and that and that's the point, isn't it? it? Although it's a, it may feel like a straight swap, um, but I, I think that David Lewis is is probably an upgrade on anything that we've got. At the Arsenal now, and I know that's not always saying 100%. much, but it is, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. And um, I don't know whether it's been announced yet about Iwobi leaving, but um, it's a bit strange if it hasn't been, don't you think? I mean, with the, you know, you'd think they've got the paperwork in by now and uh, announced that, but I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, anyway, I mean, I think uh, he's sorry, go on. I mean, I think so. We heard the last we heard from Ornstein was that Iwobi was undergoing a medical in London and that he'll sign a five-year contract. What's that? Sorry, mate? I don't get any of his messages anymore. (laughs) Oh, he's blocked you, has he? I don't know why, genuinely. But here you go. Anyway, sorry, carry on. That's all right. So apparently he he was having a medical and stuff. But the thing is, I was saying this to someone earlier because people were kind of panicking, like, why hadn't we heard about Lewis? Why hadn't we heard about Tierney? But so much goes on now. You know, there's the, the first interview which they film. They do all yeah. these photos and they put the videos together and stuff. There's so much to a player reveal now that it can take a little bit longer sometimes. And as long as the paperwork's been done and and all that sorted, then it's not really too much of an issue. It's just a case of waiting for the official announcement, isn't it? Very true. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing like it used to be, is it? With just a quick message coming out. It's literally a full, fully on sort of Hollywood blockbuster film for <laughs> two minutes to announce his uh, signing, isn't it? But the logic one that Koscielny had was a bit uh, off-putting, wasn't it, to be perfectly honest? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't quite the glitz and glamour there, really. He had the old shirt on, which was about three sizes too small for him. Uh, into it like a banana. Yeah. But um, I think uh, the move Eddie Nketiah has made has been a really, really good one in hindsight because... Personally, I didn't want to get rid of him until maybe January and then sort of reassess then, maybe send him out in January because I honestly, I really, really want all the youngsters to play in all the Europe, uh, Europa League games and the Cup games and give the first team squad as much rest as possible this season because we really, really need to prioritise the Premier League this year. It's really critical for me. Um, if it ever came to the situation where the kids didn't really perform very well in the Europa League and we ended up getting knocked out. I really wouldn't give a, a monkeys, to be perfectly honest, this year. I know some, a lot of people disagree with me. Yep. and said, we've got to win. We've got to play every competition to win. But it really didn't... I don't think it does us any favours. And as much as I would absolutely love to win the Europa League, it's it can't be our priority this year because of the way that the Premier League could be unfolding the same as last year. Agreed. I think... Uh, Tottenham, there are, to be fair, there, I mean, a lot of be depending on their new signings, how they perform this year. Um, but it, before that, they've made these, these new signings. Um, they, they're only going one way as far as I was concerned. They're, 
every single media outlet's got them to finish third, and I don't get it. I don't get why. Yeah. People say, um, there's a famous saying where um, if you keep doing the same thing, you're always going to end up getting the same results. Yeah. And their squad has been together for so many years, and their points tally has been decreasing over the last two years. And I just don't get why people think that they are nailed on certainty for third. I don't believe that they are. It's a great point, and Andrew. It's, it's a great point. Sorry to cut you there, mate, but the Iwobi news is out. It's official. Um, oh, is it? It's oh, on great. Sky Sports. Uh, Iwobi makes Everton move. The deal we've been waiting for this evening, and Alex Iwobi has signed for what? Everton from Arsenal for an undisclosed fee, as it always is with Arsenal, um, after agreeing a five-year deal. Now, we understand... That it's around about twenty-eight million pounds up front, with about seven million in bonuses. That's what we've been uh, advised. So it's it's quite a fair chunk of money. Andrew, sorry, just final point, mate. What, what did you want to make? Because I've got to move on to the next one, unfortunately. Um, very very briefly, I think that um, it's not going to be beyond the realms of possibility that Liverpool is still going to have a fantastic season this year and not get the same amount of points as last year. I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to go through. End of the season, only losing one game. Yep, I agree. Um, it's quite conceivable that they can still have an amazing season and end up on 87 points. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Two points, two points less than last season. So, very briefly, that would mean that, that the way things finished last year would be 15 points behind them. And I think that the improvements we've made in the squad um, are more than capable of winning five more matches than we did last season. Okay. Great stuff, mate. Thank you so yeah, much, mate. That will basically close the gap on Liverpool as well. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Fingers and crossed, mate. Fingers, fingers crossed. Thank you so much, Andrew. And uh, we'll Take speak care, again mate. soon. All the best. Yeah, speak soon. Bye-bye. That was Andrew the Hinkley Guna. Let's move. Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. Freedom on army. Freedom on army. Yeah, unbelievable. We didn't expect that.